Alrighty, hello again everyone and welcome to what it is, the Derek Hunter Podcast for the, what the hell, it's the 12th of September, 2022. Happy Monday to you, ladies and or gentlemen. I'm Derek Hunter, I'm your host, and yes, well, no, I don't want to say anything. Because as I record this, I don't know. (laughs) As I record this, iTunes has managed to fix whatever the problem was to that point and gotten old shows to show up, so you probably, if you get this through iTunes, we're inundated with old shows. Going, what the hell? Why did Derek just record like seven shows or however many it was? No, I did not. It was an iTunes thing. When it doesn't show up on your regular platform, check another platform like SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeart, I hate, I fart, whatever you want to. Uh, there's all there's a million of them. People send me these emails like I listen to you on such and such. Like I never in a million years heard of that. I'm so basic when it comes to technology. It's not even funny. If this involved much more than basic editing and plugging a microphone into an iPad or iPhone, I'm not sure I'd be able to handle it. But since it doesn't, I can. And when something goes wrong, as we learned with iTunes, I I necessarily can't handle that. But I do email them and. Uh, I guess because, you know, you're not paying them. They take their sweet-ass time, and you're, you're preaching politics they hate, so they take their time, but they got it fixed, and thank you to them for that. I'm glad that it's done. I was sitting there uh, Saturday, and I get the notification, and then the text messages from people going, hey, I got it. I must have fixed it. I just got a notification. I'm like, oh, sweet, sweet Lord. Yes, thank you. And then there was an email, and I'm like, of all the weekdays that I've been contacting you, you, you do stuff on the weekend? Seems backwards. Seems like you should be off on the weekends. But, hey, I'm glad they did it. I'm appreciative. So there you go. All right. At the end of the program, you'll tune in to find out who wins which book. Blah, 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 yakety smackety. You know how that goes. And, uh, yeah, we'll find out who the next book is. All at the end of the program. Now let's get started. We do have a lot of things to get to today, so I appreciate the use of your ears. Of course, the the big news that's dominating everything right now is the death of Queen Elizabeth II at 96 years old. I... I've never known any other sovereign. Yeah, there are other, you know, the king of Saudi Arabia. or what, I don't even know what, who the king of Saudi Arabia is, the king of Jordan. Uh, I've just kind of known him as uh, the king of Jordan, except for King Hussein of Jordan, who died. At, I think he was getting treatment at the Mayo Clinic, which is a testament to the healthcare system in the United States of America that even the head of a country with socialized medicine comes to the United States for treatment. Like, but uh, you have such a great free healthcare system in your country. But I don't want to pick on anyone. I don't really want to pick on the dead. Yet some people do. There's something inherently wrong with Democrats. I don't know what it is. Their parents didn't love them enough or their parents love them too much and smother them. Whatever it is that's wrong with them. It is seriously wrong, and it goes right down to the core of their being. Because I don't know how you look at a situation where somebody dies and do the things they do and say the things they say in the immediate... Look, nobody's perfect. 
everybody's got problems in their past. It, you are not perfect. I am not perfect. You look through my past. I know there are people who have issues with things I've done, things I've said when I was younger, when I'm now, when I'm older. It doesn't matter. But most human beings, when somebody passes right away, even if you don't like them, you just kind of go, all right, well, I'm going to keep that to myself. Now, next week, it's game on. Whenever it's game on, somebody asks me in the future, it's game on. But somebody asks me right now, I'm going to say just out of normal human decency, like, now is not the time for me to really sort of badmouth this person, okay? You know, sorry, but uh, not for me. He's not for me, but still going to move on. That would be a normal human reaction. The left doesn't have those normal human reactions. They don't have that sense of decency. Let me put it to you this way. Jimmy Carter is going to die soon. It's not a threat. It's not a promise. It's a reality based upon a basic knowledge of biology, right? Soon being a relative term, but soon. He's 97 years old. He will not live forever. I promise you he will not live forever. I hope he lives you know, a very, very long time from here on out still. It's not a matter of wishing for him to pass away, but he's going to die. We are all going to die. As disturbing as that is, we are all going to die. So what do you do with that information? Do you sit there and do you chomp at the bit and go, wait, I, can't. I have to compose the perfect tweet for when Jimmy Carter dies. One that will be funny and biting and show my contempt for his four years of president, his failure as president. I really got to stick it to Jimmy one last time as he goes off and to the ground. Is that really what people are doing? No, it's not what it's not what normal people are doing. It's not what decent people would ever do, but apparently it is what Democrats do or would live for. Remember when Ronald Reagan died? There was what? There was a whole bunch of leftists going, well, duh. Ronald Reagan, he made AIDS worse. He created AIDS. He actually, uh, little known fact about Ronald Reagan, he spent his weekends um, driving around grabbing gay men and injecting them with AIDS. It's just, that's... Don't, that's science. Take it up with science. You're going, what's wrong with you? Like, yeah, the world is better off now that Ronald Reagan is dead. And gee, was Ronald Reagan somehow threatening to you as he minded his own business and then uh, suffered through Alzheimer's? As Ronald Reagan didn't know you existed. He couldn't care less, but you hated him. You hate him so much to, to this day. If you mention Ronald Reagan to a committed leftist, they will probably swear in response to you. It's very much a Pavlovian response. And you're like, what's wrong with you? What happened to you? Did your parents not love you enough or did they love you too much? It, it, it can't be both, but it's definitely one or the other because you were not, you're not a good person. And that is so many of our friends, I love it when people, our friends on the left, they can't control themselves. Hate is a currency, right? 
Hate is a currency on the left right up there with victimhood. Not as coveted as victimhood, but, you know, especially if you happen to be of the wrong sexual orientation or the wrong skin color, meaning straight or white, or uh, whatever, or you just want extra bonus points in the woke Olympics. You have to find new and creative ways to feed the beast, the outrage beast. Either create outrage foster and find it and spread it or victimhood whatever it is it doesn't matter just get that hate rolling that brings us to uh, one example this is just one example i could read you countless examples but i'm not going to just spend all the show reading these messed up hate tweets from leftists tender most of these people are tenured leftists see this is the difference what do they go all oh, these right-wing mega terrorists are out there just doing horrible horrible things and meanwhile what does the left do with their worst the worst of their worst they give them tenure which means you can't fire them no matter what you almost have to they almost have to commit murder before you can fire a, a leftist because uh, they embed them in these professions that they perfect, protect. Um, is it professor at, uh, what is it, uh, Carnegie Mellon University up there in Pennsylvania. Her name, and I'm going to butch- butcher this because I don't know, Uju, Uju, it's U-J-U. That's her first name. Her last name is An- Anya. A-N-Y-A. She's Associate Professor of Second Language Acquisitions at Carnegie Mellon University. Upon hearing that the Queen was approaching death, she took to her Twitter account is full of racist, critical race theory, everything is racist. Oh, you're white, you're racist. Uh, Confess your sins of being a racist, blah, blah, blah. It's just nonsense. And you sit there and you go, why the hell... how does, how does anybody like this get hired? She took to her Twitter account thinking the world needed to know her thoughts on this and said, quote, and it's just nasty. Just na- there are millions of people around the world who care about this. If you don't care about it, you can't just shut your mouth. All right? You can't. I don't particularly care about it. It's, you know, the Queen of England is the only Queen of England I ever knew. All I did was said, you know, rest in peace. That's it. It's pretty simple. That's a normal thing. I'm not shedding any tears over it, although I did get choked up every time they showed the footage of the uh, changing of the guard at Buckingham Palace on September 13th, 2001, when the Queen ordered the military band to play the Star Spangled Banner. That got to me because I remember those days. I remember that day and memories come rushing back to you. Okay, that one got me. But as far as the Queen, we weren't tight. We were friends, but, you know, we just hang every once in a while. We're friends of friends. So I don't have a personal connection to it. I wasn't shocked. Plus, she was 96 years old, which is, again, a pretty damn good run. But I understand it matters to a lot of people. Some people I know and like. Some people I don't. Most people I don't know. But I'm not a jackass who just goes, you know what, I'm going to take a big dump on everything everybody cares about because I can't. Did I think of things? If I sat down and I I could have easily thought of tweets that would be biting and uh, a middle finger and blah, blah, blah. But no, I'm not, especially about Charles. But I'm not going to attack Charles. I'm not going to attack the left or the the royal family. It just, it's not the time. I'm not a big fan of royalty, but it's not the time. Somebody died. A little bit of decency goes a long way. It's not hard. 
Well, that's not the uh, way it works for these leftists. She tweeted, quote, I heard the chief monarch of a thieving, raping, genocidal empire is finally dying. May her pain be excruciating. Isn't that lovely? you got tenure. You can uh, do any damn thing you want, apparently. And you don't have to be a decent human being. In fact, it's probably a burden, a, uh, a knock against you to be a decent human being. And you sit there and you go, what the hell is wrong with people? Why would they... Why would you do this? I don't know where she's from. I don't care where she's from. She went on to whine about, oh, half her family was lost in the genocide of whatever and blah, blah, blah. And I, I don't I don't care. I honestly don't care. She's a bad person. Half her, I, I don't believe her either. But uh, I bet that the half her family that is passed on is probably glad that they don't have to deal with someone like her as a member of their family. Say, now, is that rude? Yes, but there's been enough time to have passed where she can get over it. Plus, she's she struck first. She's a bad person. Carnegie Mellon eventually did issue a statement because even Jeff Bezos, the third richest man in the world, was like, dude, this is messed up. What's wrong with you? So Carnegie Mellon comes out and says, we do not condone the offensive and objectionable messages posted by Uju Anya today on her personal social media account. Free expression is core to the mission of higher education. However, the views she shared absolutely do not represent the values of the institution nor the standards of discourse we seek to foster. Go on campus of Carnegie Mellon University and try and, well, invite former President Donald Trump to speak on campus. See how well that goes over. Go on the campus of Carnegie Mellon University and uh, wave an Israeli flag and say that you support Israel and see how it goes. Bring up a, a Ron DeSantis sign. It's Pennsylvania. Try to get Dr. Oz to come to campus and see how well that goes over and see how long the administration commits itself to civility and... Uh, trying to foster certain levels of discourse. It won't last very long. But this one got too public. This one got too far out there. And so it, it had to be commented on. But it is pretty pathetic. I don't understand what is wrong with these Democrats, that they simply can't be decent human beings. Just give it a week. You can't, you can't just give it even a couple of, you couldn't even give it a couple of hours. This professor started before, before Queen Elizabeth actually died. Why? Because you had to. They had to. They can't help themselves. They hate you. They hate everybody who thinks like you. I would recommend against hating your enemies. It's tough. God, it's tough. I do so hate them sometimes. But it does cloud your judgment. It does impact the way you react. Now, certainly they do things that deserve scorn and hate. But in general, it's best to keep emotion out of it. Let them freak out. Be prepared. Protect yourself and all of that. But let them be the emotional, screaming, flailing, jazzed hands, wacky, wavy, inflatable arm guy standing on the side of the road while you calmly express yourself. It gets noticed. It does get noticed. So these people are just evil. Honest to God. So not only are leftists horrible 
on Twitter. The media is horrible. Oh, so many people are horrible on Twitter. And I couldn't imagine having this job. I don't know what type of name, how to pronounce the, these names anymore. I, I I grew up at a time when you gave somebody a name that uh, you could pronounce. Chori, Shor, I don't know, C-H-O-I-R-E. That's the first name. And uh, Sika, S-I-C-H-A. Whatever. Writes for New York Magazine. I'd rather eat hemlock than have this beat. But uh, they went on to write about the Twitter reaction to the death of Elizabeth and the various forms of Twitter. I bet you didn't know that there were various forms of Twitter. See, Democrats love segregation. They love segregation in everything. George Wallace was giving a how-to manual for Democrats in the future. Segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. Yes, Democrat in good standing, all the way to his death. But they love segregation. So the uh, New Yorker magazine, or sorry, New York magazine, not that there's any difference between the two. They have a piece by that person, whose name I'm not going to try to pronounce again, Say it called, It's Been an Incredible Day on the Internet. A historically wild day on the Internet transpired after the death of Queen Elizabeth II. Calls for decency were mocked. Brands tweeted and then deleted. Notably, the Les Miserables official account deleted its memorial to the monarchy. White Twitter and black Twitter rubbed shoulders. Irish Twitter rallied. Then went to the pub. You're sitting there going, white Twitter, black Twitter, Irish? What are you talking about? Is there like different race? <sighs> Apparently so. In the end, if she brought nothing to those of us who weren't her subjects or had our lives and countries ruined by her cursed family, at least today the queen brought us the kind of joy you can experience only by still being alive. Did I mention that I'd rather eat a handful of hemlock than have to write drivel like this for New York Magazine? How these people live with themselves, I'll never understand. Oh, devastating. You know what? Controversial. Colonialization was a pretty damn good thing. It brought infrastructure to countries where there was no infrastructure. It brought some modernity to countries that didn't have any. Was it a universal good? Of course not. Of course not. But was it a universal bad? Of course not. Of course not. The left would have you believe that colonialization is somehow responsible for slavery and it was just all slavery. And Oh, my God. Slavery existed long before any evil white guy set foot on the continent of Africa. It existed in Europe. It existed on the continent of Africa. It existed in Asia. It still exists in Asia today. It still exists in Africa today. All these people whining and pissing and moaning about injustices done a thousand years ago are not all that interested in injustices happening right now today because of the skin color of the perpetrators of those injustices. Let's just be honest about it. There are open-air slave markets in Libya. Libya is a failed state, a failed state created by the Barack Obama administration. At the behest, the request, the orders, uh, the directive of Hillary Clinton, because she needed some kind of foreign policy bona fides before leaving the secretary of state job, 
to run for president in four years, in 2011. So she chose Libya as her target. They killed Gaddafi and everything collapsed. That's the end of the story. They, oh, we killed Gaddafi. Good. We brought justice to Gaddafi. Congratulations. Right. And uh, the void left, because you had no plan after killing Gaddafi, was filled by terrorists. You created a terrorist safe haven that is every bit as threatening to the United States as Afghanistan was at the end of the 90s. But it doesn't matter because it's Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama who did it. It might as well not be reported on. Slavery, human slavery exists there, but it doesn't matter. It might as well not be reported on because Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama caused it. Muammar Gaddafi was an evil SOB who got his executive suite in hell, and that's fine, but he did hold that country and keep it away from terrorists and uh, ensure that it did not, if only for his own reasons, he didn't do it because he was concerned about the rest of the world being attacked. It was because it, would, it was competition against his grasp on power. We removed him, and those evil people came rushing in to fill that void. And the United States to this day pretends that uh, Libya is just there. It's Libya. What Libya? What's wrong with Libya? There's nothing wrong with Libya. There's a lot wrong with Libya. And it's Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama's fault. Slavery is returned to Libya. It wasn't created in Libya. It didn't just show up in Libya for the first time. It returned to Libya. Thanks to that. But these leftists, oh, oh colonialization was so awful and so terrible. Okay. You have running water. Like, yeah, was there bad? Of course there was bad. But what have you done since then? What have you done since then? Some countries have uh, taken what they were given, what they were left after colonialization, and turned it into thriving economies and thriving countries. And others haven't. Others have turned to despots and dictators. And Zimbabwe comes to mind nobody's fault except their own what you do after it's like being released for oh it's we're at prison it's a press all right here you go you're out of prison and then you go and commit more crimes well you know i can't help you if you choose actively to commit crimes sorry to break it to you but that's just the way it is but these leftists are really pieces of work and they have different skin color twitters and they really do. If you search black Twitter, you will find nonstop whining and complaining and cheering and celebrating the death of Queen Elizabeth. Again, if Beyonce died you'd, and you said anything like, I wasn't a fan of her music, you'd be denounced as a Klansman immediately by the very same people who tweet things like, quote, Queen Elizabeth was a racist colonizer and committed multiple war crimes who literally will be burning in hell. Meanwhile, Betty White was a golden girl. What? You're not going to find intelligent discourse or even logical thought. But uh, I wonder if these morons recognize that Queen Elizabeth, while technically the head of government in the UK, that position is... Uh, is symbolic right there's not she wakes up in the morning and you know what let's go back to war with france let's do this thing and she can dispatch the navy that's not how royalty works in the uk anymore not for the last several hundred years but 
we have such a piss poor education system and a popular culture and media that are such garbage that are more interested in conveying left-wing propaganda than anything resembling reality that a whole bunch of morons out there believe stuff like this she's a president and it's not just black twitter or irish twitter or whatever i want to play you a clip from richard stengel from morning joe he richard stengel was deputy or undersecretary of state or he served in the obama administration before that he was an edit the editor at uh, time magazine so of course you know oh there's no bias in media oh but i'm going to leave my job in media to go work for the obama administration for a couple of years and then i'm going to be welcomed back to journalism with open arms because you know it's not bias it's uh, just truth he's on morning joe and he's not sure why the media is cover why the american media is covering queen elizabeth uh, the way they are for the very same reasons basically that a whole bunch of people with an iq about half that of their shoe size on twitter are unsure you played a, a clip of her speaking in cape town in 1947 in right. south africa right. that's the year apartheid took effect in south africa they that was something british colonialism ushered in british colonialism which she presided over for all these years was it had a terrible effect on on much of the world it's something that people uh, revolt from and i i have to say to the, your earlier question why why are news american news networks uh, dedicating all of this time to queen elizabeth's funeral i think it's a good question i mean uh you know, I think it's something, there's a weakness in the American character that still yearns for that era of hereditary privilege, which is the very thing that, that we escaped from. Would that we could all be as enlightened as Dick Stengel over there. And just, just one of those things far, far superior. She presided over, she didn't preside over anything, okay? She is symbolic. She has been a tourist attraction. Part of a tourist attraction and keeping the tradition that is, you know, several thousand years old or a thousand years old over there. That's it. She doesn't get up and say off with their heads anymore. Her ancestors did, but she didn't. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The evils of colonialism. Yeah, okay. There are plenty of evils of colonialism. They never want to acknowledge anything else. They also never want to acknowledge that the world was a different place. And that places in, uh, say, sub-Saharan Africa were invading other places in sub-Saharan Africa. They were, tribes were subjugating weaker tribes. The spoils of war were not just evil Whitey coming into Africa. Whitey never actually took over all of Africa. And Whitey never ran the slave trade internally in Africa. They handled it at the coast, which is evil enough. But the evil inside was done by the tribes of Africa. Yeah, that's right. Colonialism was a universal bet. How do you explain places like Hong Kong? What? Well, it was a a British colony, right? And uh, it was until the Chinese fully destroyed the economy or working in the, the trying to destroy the economy. One of the freest, most thriving places on earth. Huh? How do you figure that one? No, maybe maybe what you do after colonialism is as important, perhaps more important, because, you know, it's been like 50, 100 years for a lot of these places. 
if they still suck at a certain point you do have to go this is on us all right you certainly set us up with uh, some bad stuff but you've had a it's like uh, being on a plane that goes into a nosedive if the person putting it into a nosedive then leaves the cabin and says it's all you and then they jump out of the plane with a parachute if they do it at 100 feet not not a lot of time for you to do much if they do it at 30,000 feet there's plenty of time for you to get to the cabin and uh, the the flight deck and, and pull up on the stick is there not if we're 100 years past or 50 years how much time has to pass before you become responsible for your own actions with a leftist it's never you're never responsible depend well that's not entirely true if you are of a certain ethnicity and a political mindset, because Clarence Thomas, Condi Rice, they don't get this benefit. Tim Scott does not get this benefit. Um, if you are of a certain skin color, you're, you're in perpetuity and forever. You're not responsible for anything and or you are responsible for everything. If you're white, you're respo- you didn't do anything. You're born yesterday and you are responsible for the uh, sins of 2000 years ago. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't know that was the the case. Now, what's weird about the left is they ascribe this belief and they they preach this belief, this horrible, horrible, poisonous belief. And then if you come up and you say, hey, uh, "Okay, so then Jews should have a real problem with Egyptians." Well, that's different. I don't know. The Jews are the worst. They're they're oppressing the Palestinians. Yeah, but you know what? They uh, they kind of had a rough go of it. Just you know for. Oh, I don't know. Looking back, all of human history, maybe, maybe they should get a pass too. No, that's different. That's different because they, they, they don't mean anything that they say. These leftists, and they hate Jews. Just saying, the double standards are blaring. The double standards are horrible, and realistically, all of this could be solved if you just, as a decent human being, if you have that capacity, which many of these people don't. You just go. You know what? The world could wait a couple of days to hear my hot take. Just a couple of days. But they can't do it because they're, they're that evil. You, you sit there and you think, and you, and you listen to the way the left responds to everything. And you have to go, I, 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 I don't know that I'm a part of the species. How can I be a part of it? How can anybody be a part of this species? And of course... One common thread amongst everything that is just disturbing, disgusting, bizarre, pathetic, however you want to phrase it, depending on the particular situation, it it dictates the word that should be used to describe it. Like the Lincoln Project. They're out there tweeting nonstop, still trying to raise, there's still money to be made off of sucker leftists. And it tells you just how much money there is out there. So you should start some organization that milks money from uh, sucker leftists because they've got it and they seem to give it away. They're tweeting, what's our mission? The first was to defeat Donald Trump at the ballot. The second was to ensure Trumpism failed alongside him. We must combat these forces everywhere at all times. Our democracy depends on it. Oh, it means we had a purpose and then that purpose is no longer operative, but we have needs, which means that we uh, we spent all the money you gave us before in salaries on ourselves. So please give us more money. Please, will you give us some more money? 
<laughs> really, what they do is they enable, you know, child sexual predators and they get rich in the process. Nambla is ticked off that they've stolen their business model. But that is the Lincoln Project. That is how the left operates. This is also how the left operates. You got to you got to admire the ability of the left wing to simply look at something that is and when it doesn't fit their needs demand insist pretend however you like to, to think of it that uh, it means or is something else. Oberlin College, remember Oberlin College? They got into trouble because their faculty and their official university accounts, and things, they started attacking a, a place called Gibson's Bakery. It's across the street in Oberlin, Ohio, uh, from, because a bunch of students, they see Gibson's Bakery stopped a shoplifter who happened to be black. And that was enough at the frenzied height of the BLM Antifa riots for students and faculty and everybody to declare Gibson's Bakery to be racist. Well, it wasn't true. It wasn't remotely true. It was a, a disgusting allegation, as most things that come out of the left's mouth is. So Gibson's, rather than sit down and take it, they sued. They sued, and they won. They won $36.5 million from Oberlin College, an expensive private university. They won this money. They won every appeal. They won every single appeal. The university desperately tried to settle, desperately tried to get the judgment overturned. It did not happen. After all other possibilities were exhausted thoroughly, Oberlin has decided to pay their debts, which is to say they don't have a choice. They have to pay their debts. They don't get to, they didn't decide to pay their debts. They're paying their debts because that's what they have to do. The courts have ordered them to. But the New York Times frames it this way Oberlin College has agreed to pay $36.59 million to a bakery that said it was falsely accused of racism after it caught a student shoplifting. Hmm. Oberlin agreed to pay $36.5 million. That's a weird agreement. So, except for the fact that a jury found that the university had smeared them. Uh, that it was, in fact, that the bakery was, in fact, falsely accused of racism by the university, by its employees, by its students, all of that. And, and Oberlin didn't agree to it any more than a murderer agreed to uh, spend the rest of his life in prison or a drug dealer agreed to spend a couple of years in prison. A drug dealer and uh, prosecutors have agreed that he will spend the next five years in prison. That's not how it works. When you lose a case, you lose a case. You don't agree to the terms. The court set the terms. You lost. But you never know that from the New York Times because it's their team that lost. So the story, the actual headline is after a legal fight, Oberlin says it will pay $36.59 million to local bakery. I mean, Oberlin says it will pay. Oberlin has to pay. They don't have a choice. They could declare bankruptcy. That's about the only way they could. They've exhausted every other possibility for avoiding payment. They haven't decided, oh, we're, we're, we just decided to 
canceled. No, it's been years. This has been going on for a long time. This started in 2016. They ran out of it. The left can't admit. No, it was a false claim and uh, of uh, of racism, and they slandered these people. No, you can't do that because there are no false claims of racism. There are just claims of racism that have yet to be proven true, and that's it. Oberlin College, known as a this is the New York Times reporting. Oberlin College, known as a bastion of progressive politics. <laughs> progressive left-wing stupidity, said on Thursday that it would pay $36.59 million to a local bakery that said it had been defamed and falsely accused of racism after a worker caught a black student shoplifting. It's weird. If a worker catches a black student shoplifting, it's all about, oh, look, at it's a black student. It's a black student. If you get surveillance video of 10 people who all happen to have that same skin color, rushing into a footlocker and uh, stealing every shoe in sight or smashing jewelry cases or everything. What do you say? Teens. Just teens. No no distinctive character. The uh, When people are out on, uh, on the lam, what do you say? They're, they're looking for a 22-year-old man. Any other description you might help? Uh, nope. No, they don't mention it. The decision by the college's board of trustees announced Thursday came nine days after the Ohio Supreme Court had declined to hear the college's appeal of a lower court ruling. Now, don't you love that? Oh, the, the board of trustees has decided that the only course of action left to them, aside from completely folding up the university, oh, we'll, we'll pay our debts now. Those are the only two options. Declare bankruptcy and disappear or pay your debts. Whichever one you want, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with. And I'm sure that the bakery would have been fine with, although I think they'd prefer to have the $36.5 million. That's a nice payday for a bakery. Truth matters. Lee E. Placus, the lawyer for the Gibson family, said in an email Thursday, David, supported by a principled community, can still beat Goliath. In a statement, Oberlin said that, quote, this matter has been painful for everyone. <laughs> so painful. We hope that the end of the litigation will begin the healing of our entire community. Uh, the end of litigation, the losing, you, you exhausted everything. It wasn't like the, they could have gone and continued to appeal for another 10 years. No, they couldn't. They're done. They lost. They're out of options, so they have to pay. They go, well, I hope the conclusion of this it's been painful for everybody. May it lead, if you cared so much about the, quote, healing of your community, might you have stepped up earlier? You probably could have settled this for a hell of a lot less money if you just said, boy, we uh, we hired some really bad staff. They're idiots, and they said some things and did things, and, and we're sorry, and you're not racist. But you can't when you're a bastion of political politics, of, of progressive politics. You can't do that. <laughs> The a college acknowledged that the size of the judgment, which includes damages and interest, was significant. But it said that with careful financial planning, including insurance, it could be paid without impacting our academic and student experience. Oberlin has a robust endowment of nearly $1 billion. Now, don't you love that? We're going to fundraise off of this. Some leftist lunatics are going to give us money to help us pay off this debt. And we'll be we'll be just fine. We're sitting on a billion dollars. Meanwhile, every uh, 
racial and gender grievance studies student who graduated from Oberlin with a debt of one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars, which I imagine is quite a lot of them will have $10,000 of that debt forgiven and paid for by you while they're sitting on a billion-dollar endowment. This is everything that's wrong with higher education. The case hinged on whether Oberlin officials had defamed the bakery by supporting students who accused it of racial profiling, and the verdict, essentially finding that the officials had done so, may make other colleges and universities think twice about joining student causes, legal experts said. It should. More importantly, it shouldn't worry about student causes. It should be, hey, we're going to listen to the facts. The problem, nobody ever disputed that the black student stole. They disputed that it shouldn't have mattered because the student was black, which is a level of sickness and racism that this country hasn't, should never see again. It hasn't seen since Democrats controlled the South. That's the problem. The kid did it. But it wasn't that the kid did it, that nobody cared about it. It's a white bakery. It's a black kid. Of course, it's oppression. It's fighting back against the man. My God, we're fighting back against the man. Nothing is more just. And if you truly believe that anybody who doesn't look like you is the enemy, not just your opposite, but your enemy in trying to get you, what aren't you justified in trying to do? And that a university with a billion dollars sitting around is going, oh, you know what? Yeah, we're, we're okay with this. And, oh, we got to eat $36 million. That sucks. But we got a billion bucks, so it doesn't really matter. And besides, we're going to make some kind of weird insurance claim to try and recoup some of that money. If I'm their insurance company, I'm telling them to get bent. If I'm their insurance company, I am exhausting every legal remedy. I don't know what the basis of their insurance claim would be, that you can buy a policy that if you falsely smear people of racism, they'll cover your civil settlement, whatever. Uh, but if I'm the insurance company, I exhaust every every single claim, every single opportunity to deny the claim that I can think of uh, until I'm absolutely ordered to. And this is the business model that Oberlin set up. Why not uh, avail yourself of it? Have I mentioned lately that liberals are horrible people? Because I meant to, because they are. Speaking of race and what horrible creatures Democrats are, the Associated Press, this, this is a story that uh, you, can, you can do this with all these stories, but you, this is a story where you could just play a, a game of if a Republican had done it. Anything equivalent to this. If you just reverse a couple of things and say, well, a Republican said this, that would be nonstop media coverage 24-7, 365. Think Todd Aiken. Back in 2012, Mitt Romney was asked dozens of times, do you denounce Todd Akin said? Yes. Yeah, but do you denounce it? Should he drop out? He has no power to cause anybody to drop out of the race, but uh, should he? Should he? You sure? Should he? Associated Press, the South Carolina Democrat vying to oust Republican U.S. Senator Tim Scott is facing calls from within her own party to fold her campaign following the publication of additional leaked audio in which she appears to make disparaging remarks about her constituents. She just appears to make... I love how these people like, well, it appears. It's the same thing as like, here's video of the guy going up and murdering somebody. The alleged murder, 
the alleged murderer, the like, what do you mean? What did you just show me? You just showed me it happening. Is it still alleged? Anybody out there going, allegedly Queen Elizabeth passed away. We, we can't prove anything. Well, we, she could just have gone into deep hiding. Who knows? Calls for State Rep. Crystal Matthews to withdraw just two months ahead of the general election came Thursday in, relax- in reaction to leaked audio published by conservative activist group Project Veritas. I love how that Meg Kennard, who covers national politics for the Associated Press, Project Veritas, actually questioning Democrats, actually catching Democrats on tape, hidden camera stuff, hidden camera journalism, things that made careers back in the 80s and 90s for journalists. Now, they're just a conservative activist group. I would posit that Project Veritas is doing more journalism than the Associated Press is doing, but that's just me. They're reduced to conservative activist group. Now, a group like Media Matters and those fascists over there would be referred to as what? Uh, A uh, media watchdog group. They're just media watchdog groups. They're not leftist activists in any way, shape, or form. Uh, The publishing uh, of Matthews speaking to one of its members without her knowledge, without her knowledge. See, they're framing it as Sweet, sweet Crystal Matthews, who happens to be a woman of color, is uh, a victim here. They recorded her without her knowledge. Well, that's kind of when you you want to listen to a politician, because that's when they're more likely to tell you what and say what they really believe, when they think nobody else except for people who are like right down and have the secret handshake password uh, are around. Sitting in a restaurant, Matthews, who is black, is heard saying she represents a, quote, mostly white district, adding that white voters, quote, I keep them right here, like under my thumb. Otherwise, they get out of control, like kids. Those damn white people were known for just being absolutely out of control. What do you think the Clash song White Riot is about? It's that we're ready to go at a moment's notice. Quote, you ought to know who you're dealing with. You've got to treat them like S, like feces. That's the only way they'll respect you. (laughs) In a statement, Matthews acknowledged her voice on the recording, calling Project Veritas a, quote, satirical, MAGA-powered news outlet. Well, at least she called them a news outlet, which is more respectful than the Associated Press. The compilation also features more of Matthew's conversation, parts of which were previously published by Project Veritas, in which she spoke to an inmate about funding her campaign with, quote, dope boy money, end quote, and having Democrats run as Republicans saying secret sleepers represent, quote, the only way you're going to change the dynamics in South Carolina, end quote. She sounds like a lovely human. She actually sounds like a typical Democrat. This is what Democrats talk about, and this is how Democrats speak about the people who vote for them when they think nobody is listening. The saddest part is so many of these liberals will go, yeah, you know what? We are pretty terrible. Can I write you a a check, Crystal? We are pretty awful. Can I cut you a check? It's just... uh, It's pathetic. And you sit there and you go, well, what about all these people who are suffering? They vote for it. You vote generationally. Your area votes generationally for Democrats. I have no sympathy when the feces comes home to roost. Oh, hey, you know, you remember President Fauci? Remember President Tony Fauci? uh, I'm sure there will be books and books and books written about him. 
You can tell the uh, negative impact of a leftist by the number of people who actively sing their praises every chance they get. They are trying to pre-write history. Pre-write history. They they always try and rewrite history. The queen dies, and they go, she's a horrible, racist, uh, misogynistic, blah, blah, what? She's a woman. Shut up. Uh, anyway, uh, horrible, transphobe. She never said anything about it. Well, that's because she didn't. She, uh, The queen didn't behead uh, J.K. Rowling, therefore she must be a transphobe. I mean, that's just, that's science talking, not me. Take it up with God or something. I don't know. They always try and rewrite history and then pre-write history every chance they get because they're smart. They're evil, but they're smart. You know, every Bond villain out there, every evil genius in the world has the uh, genius part of them, right? The genius part is kind of important. Evil is important, too, to note that they are evil, but that they are geniuses on top of it is worthy of note. And uh, make no mistake, they are. Oh, my, are they. So uh, Fauci, I'm sure he's going to get himself. Well, his, remember his book deal postponed probably until after he leaves office so they can add legally another zero to his book deal. They'll love him. And oh, my God, you can you can already see the saliva flowing at the prospect of uh, President Fauci appearing on Morning Joe when his book comes out. Can't you? It's just sitting there going, oh, wow, Dr. Fauci, tell me again about how you saved our lives. I mean, they'll all be slobbering. They'll all be, you know, you, you'll want, Rachel Maddow will work a second day that week if it fits into Fauci's schedule. Oh, Tony, you could almost make me go for a guy. I love you the way you saved everybody. Chris Hayes, going, I, I got rid of my Rachel Maddow bull haircut and emulated you in honor of you saving all of our lives. You're such a wonderful man. And then he might do one interview with, with uh, Brett Bear, And it'll be, uh, we're going to really get him, and then there won't really be any getting him. And that's it. He'll write, it was, uh, that's the James Comey model. If you remember when James Comey's book came out, it was like, ooh, coming up this Thursday, the theater near you, Brett Bear sits down with... Uh, James Comey. And then James Comey was like a half an hour late. And it was a fine interview, but it was not uh, really all that tough because it was late and the window was closing. It's like, well, bump everything else. Like, who cares? Ask him the serious questions. And you go, you know, some people say, well, we just didn't have time to get into all the issues. And then other people are just simply not inclined to get into all the issues. Just because they wear your uniform doesn't necessarily mean they're on your team. Anyway, President Fauci is still making the rounds. He's still going to be in uh, his job through the end of the year. It's not until Republic he announced his uh, plans to retire at the end of the year because there's a good probability that Republicans will get subpoena power in the beginning of next year and be able to compel him to come and speak before Congress, and he doesn't want to do that, come testify under oath, answer serious questions, and do so for however long they need him there for, not what is convenient for him. You know, there's a chance that Fauci will be treated the way Republicans have been treated by this administration and this Congress. Tony Fauci doesn't want that. Tony Fauci doesn't have time for that. So off he goes. Here he will go into the sunset. He doesn't seem to realize that um, subpoena power extends to civilians. 
So it'll be interesting to see if he refuses to comply with the subpoena by saying they were they were just going to be mean to me anyway, so I don't want to go. Will that mean that the uh, the gang over at the Biden Justice Department will say, well, I'm sorry, you have been held in contempt of Congress. You have defied congressional subpoenas. That is a crime and we're going to charge you. I think that the smart money, the only money that should be bet, is on no, absolutely not. They won't do that, but that's beside the point. One of the things, if anybody does actually do a serious or semi-serious interview with President Fauci after leaving office, they should ask him about this clip. It was on, I believe it was CNN. It's hard to tell. He's talking about the new generation of COVID vaccines and COVID vaccines in general. Now, the COVID vaccine, they say, it's not working all that great because it was designed for the original COVID strain and COVID has mutated. Thankfully, it's mu- it has mutated and thankfully it is mutated in a way that is making it less deadly, seemingly, than the original strain. So that's good. But people are still getting sick and they're scrambling and there are still billions of dollars at stake. I mean, for God's sakes, the Biden administration just spent, what, five or ten billion dollars on the old vaccines that that don't work anymore for booster shots. Why? Because why not? It's not their money. They're probably Pfizer shareholders. Hunter's probably an advisor to to Pfizer. Why wouldn't he be? He's never advised a company he has any particular knowledge of an industry for before. Why would the pharmaceutical industry be any different? So they're doing that, and they're simultaneously developing another shot in addition to that, or maybe to supplant that eventually for the current variant version of COVID-19. But they are approving it, meaning the federal government is the they. The federal government is approving this vaccine for injection into human beings, including children, before the clinical trials are done. Before they do the clinical trials. Why? You might ask yourself. That seems a little bit dangerous, as if there already, you know, there had been clinical trials with the mRNA vaccines, um, but they were minimal, but they, were, they, did, they did occur. Now they're going, we're not waiting for any results. We've got to plow ahead. And President Fauci tries to justify that in this clip. So when you have a uh, updated vaccine that serves as a boost, as it were, and it's directed against the dominant circulating strain that's in society, you have every reason to believe that that is going to be better than having a vaccine that isn't highly specific to the circulating strain. It hasn't been proven in a clinical trial because we don't have time to do a clinical trial because we need to get the vaccine out now. (laughs) Gotta love it. It hasn't been proven in a clinical trial because we don't have time for a clinical trial. But don't worry, it probably is harmless to human beings and, you know, has a good chance of actually working unlike the other stuff. What? Remember we were told it's 98% effective, 95% effective. And now it's like we're told it's an immune booster. It'll help you out a little bit. And maybe it is, maybe it will, maybe it won't. But if they're rushing to create one specific for the current strain of COVID, I would suggest that maybe it is uh, 
not super effective in the grand scheme of things, you know, just saying. But that's the world we live in. President Fauci, well, we don't, we ain't got no time for clinical trials. Trust us. Uh, how about you go first? And then you leave everybody else to hell alone. But you, you, by all means, go first. We'll watch you. We'll watch you as you ride off in the sunset to see if you slump over dead on your horse like Shane did. That's why Shane didn't come back, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry to ruin your childhood retroactively. But that is why Shane did not come back when the little kid, or even look back when the little kid was screaming out for him. He, he had bled out and died. But uh, yeah, President Fauci, ladies and gentlemen, these people, these people on the left, it's unbelievable what they, I'd say, try to get away with, but they're allowed to get away with, what they do get away with. Um, speaking of people who get away with things, let us now go to the vice president of the United States, Willie Brown's former side piece, Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris is, uh, she was out giving a speech yesterday. I don't know. She's just, isn't it wonderful how she's handled the border crisis? Just amazing. She's got time to give speech after speech after speech because she's done such a bang up job with the border crisis. As the administration's point person on the border, she has single handedly stopped the flood of illegal aliens and fentanyl over. The oh, no, wait, no, I'm sorry. She hasn't done a damn thing. She never actually went to the border. She went near the border once. Near the border once. That's like uh, claiming that you went swimming when you walked around the deck of the pool. A little bit different if you, you didn't get wet. You didn't really swim. And if you didn't go to the physical border, you, you don't get credit for going near the border. But anyway, since she solved the border crisis, she's now on to other things. Now, this speech, I don't. I don't know what she's trying to say in here. It's something she said repeatedly, though. It's kind of funny because the left-wing media yesterday on Twitter was going, oh, she's, it, what, the message here is so wonderful. The message here is so great. It's inspire. She's inspiring. Kamala Harris, wildly inspiring. If I mention that she's inspiring, oh, they love her over there. See if you can make sense of what in the hell she's saying as she tosses this word salad. These were all, for me, acts of faith, born out of being taught to believe in what is possible and what can be unburdened by what has been. It can be what can be unburdened by what has been. Okay, now let's play it again just because it, it, if you listen to it, just this, she said this many, many times. She used to attribute it to her mother. Now it's weird that she's not attributing it to her mother. But, um, you know, when you work for a plagiarist, what are you going to do? It rubs off, especially when he's rubbing on you. But if you listen to this, it, it makes sense. And it's a good message I think people need to hear in this country. These were all... For me, acts of faith, born out of being taught to believe in what is possible and what can be unburdened by what has been. You can be whatever is possible, unburdened by what has been. Okay, great. Except the entirety of the Democratic Party is about what? 
ladies and gentlemen. The entirety of the Democratic Party is about burdening people by what has been. Burdening people with what has been. Burdening people because of what has been. You share an immutable characteristic with somebody who did something awful in the past. Therefore, you are responsible for that horrible act. What? You have been, a, you know, the victim of a horrible act. Somebody who looks like you a hundred, a thousand, however many years ago. Therefore, you are burdened by what has been. You'll never get ahead because the same thing that existed a thousand years ago still exists to this day. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make a damn bit of sense. But that's the argument they make. The entirety of the Democratic Party is a nonstop argument trying to burden people today with what has been. What has and what if Kamala is sitting there espousing the virtues of moving forward with the idea that you can do anything regardless of what has happened beforehand? How can she, in good conscience, sit there silently as her party and, in many cases, herself spew espouse the exact opposite of that? Well, it's because she doesn't mean any of it. It's all garbage. She doesn't mean any of it. None of this is... She's not sitting there, really sitting there going, you can be anything you want. She does believe that people can be anything they want, but they really have to work hard at it. But there's no political mileage in that for Democrats, so they never acknowledge it. Instead, they replace it with, you can't get ahead. It's going to be... It's hard out there for a pimp. You're never going to get ahead. Don't bother trying. We, come to us. Come to us, Democrats. We shall protect you. We'll do a great job. Look at the way that we've handled Chicago. Look at what we've done with Baltimore and Detroit. Hmm. It's weird. The other day, because right now there is uh, something, it's not getting enough media coverage. There's a water situation. There's a water situation here in Baltimore. You had to boil, I think you might still have to boil water in parts of West Baltimore. There was a water situation down in Jackson, Mississippi, where they were running out of bottled water. Jackson, Mississippi. All, all of these places are Democrat strongholds. Democrat strongholds, unquestioned for generations. And Robert Reich, the former labor secretary, now a professor at uh, UC Berkeley, but the, just a, a horrible, angry little dwarf, tweeted the other day, 150,000 Jackson, Mississippi residents are without access to clean water. The city is 82% black. West Baltimore is battling a simultaneous water crisis. Its residents are also predominantly black. Apparently, he couldn't bother to look himself up the statistics there. This is the legacy of segregation and redlining. Decades on decades of racism and neglect. He continued from Flint, Michigan to Jackson, Mississippi to West Baltimore, a combination of poor infrastructure and climate crisis and racism has contributed to a lack of clean drinking water for some of America's most predominantly black cities. This is by design, he says. The only thing is that those cities have been dominated by Democrats for generations, not just 10 years, generations. These problems did not pop up recently. They have been known for a long time, except for in Flint, where they actively made a bad, stupid decision without consulting anybody who knew anything about it. They just thought they'd save money and switched waters and the enzyme wasn't there and it polluted the water. But all these decisions and everything that led to these things are done by Democrats, by people like Robert Reich. Watch out in the next few weeks. 
they're going to try to blame Republicans for this somehow, and probably Trump. Because why? Because they don't want credit for their own work. They're despicable people, and they don't want anybody else to notice it. Looking at other things that are going around there, and you sit there and you go, how could this come to be? Who thought this was a good idea? What the hell is going on? There, uh, another one of those situations is in Meridian, Idaho. Meridian, Idaho. There was a, uh, a drag show planned for kids and involving kids. Drag kids, you may have watched the queens and kings, and now it's time to see uh, the kids. A drag show like none other. The drag kids range from 11 to 18 and are ready to bring it all to the Boise Pride Festival stage. Come and cheer them on as they bring drag to the younger generation. This is part of the Boise Pride Festival. You're like, what in the hell? You're Come get, watch children shake their their asses like this should be this should be the basis for a warrant for arrest this shouldn't be the basis for pride oh let's watch 11 year olds dance it's gonna be great look at the way that that 12 year old is grinding oh my goodness wonderful now this is sponsored by albertson's the grocery store company it was citibank Mike's Hard Lemonade, uh, Radio Station, Wells Fargo, Zions Bank, Jack Daniels. Isn't that right? Project Filter, Idaho Fights Tobacco. And uh, the fight against tobacco, they're, they're paying for prepubescent drag dancers. Target is on the list. Isn't that lovely? Intuit, the software company. Let's see, St. Luke's Hospital, I don't know where, I just imagine what that is. Blue Cross of Idaho, Courtyard by Marriott, Tito's Vodka, Hewlett Packard, just to name a few. And you're like, this is, this is what Enterprise Rent-A-Car is spending money on? This is what Ruth's Chris Steakhouse is spending money on? Children as young as 11 shaking their asses for adults? Well, some um, once, and this is again sunlight being the best disinfectant. Once this flyer, these flyers went out, and people started saying, "Hey, what the hell is this?" Sponsors did of after pressure start pulling their sponsorship only after pressure. They didn't do so willingly. They didn't do so wantingly. They just did it. And the Department of Health and Welfare out in Idaho has finally been forced to pull their sponsorship. They said, uh, Mr. Williamson, the Pride Festival, I would like to inform you that our decision to withdraw the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare sponsorship from the Boise Pride 2022 activities this weekend. This includes support for Project Filter and the Idaho HIV, STD, and Hepatitis Prevention and Care Program. Boy, if these diseases aren't... uh, Why is it uh, that so many of these festivals all involve STD prevention? You seeing a connection there? Maybe, Maybe just take some precautions. But you got to admire the way that, uh, no, no, we, 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 now that people know what you're doing, we can't do it. We can't be a part of it. That check we're going to cancel, where we're not going to send. Why'd you send it in the first place? And besides, I thought personally, it's September. I could have sworn that Pride Month was June. Is it just Pride year now? Every day is Pride? Everything? Everywhere? Maybe. Seems like it. Although Florida, Florida City, 
just rejected the idea of a LGBTQ month. And it should, because these people are awful. All, all these people, you, you pick them, you name them, they're awful people. I want to point out something that uh, AOC herself, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, said the other day. It's quite amazing, to be honest with you. In her interview with uh, GQ, Gentleman's Quarterly, it's uh, now a chick magazine. I don't get it. It is now for uh, effeminate men, I suppose. And uh, she was talking about her boyfriend. She's got a boyfriend out there. I think his name is Riley. Riley. And... uh, he is white. Now, normally, that's to a normal human being, that's no big deal. To a decent human being, that's no big deal. And whatever the skin color is, you, you just don't care. Oh, I'm so happy. Oh, you're engaged. Oh, well, what is the uh, skin color of the person you're in- engaged to? Oh, that's not one I can approve of. I'm sorry. I mean, suddenly, you know, Democrats expose themselves for what they are. Bull Connors, essentially. Well, um, in her interview with GQ, she addresses this. She's, she's not fully comfortable with marrying a white guy. Which, I mean, I suppose for a first marriage, you gotta mar- if you're going to marry, you might as well marry some effeminate dude. You might as well. She said, this is directly from the GQ article. Ocasio-Cortez told me she never considered marriage inevitable. Yeah, because she's a fatalistic drama queen, of course. Oh, I'm going to die alone. I'm going to die young. I'm going to die alone. She's not unique. She's not even interesting. Her relationship with Roberts, who is white, raised its own particular questions about identity and belonging, colon. She wasn't positive that an intercultural, interracial relationship would be the right fit for her. Do you imagine? Boy, I don't, some uh, any any Republican goes. You know what? Uh, I don't know if I want to date uh, a black chick. It's just maybe not for me. What would happen? And, or you know, just said, "Hey, I'm not attracted to black women." Y'all, oh, you're a racist. That's why. Now, how can I say that? Because there are trans rights groups out there that are currently in right now circulating memes on social media that say, "If you do not." If you're a straight man who will not date a trans woman, you're transphobic. Like, uh, no, you're a straight man. You don't want to date a gay man, okay? I don't care what package you put it in. There it is. It's from the trans rights campaign. And there's a little cartoon drawing of some little girl crying and says, oh, fight bigotry. 98% of straight men are unwilling to date trans women because of hatred. This has to change. No, no, it's the penis. That's why. That's why. And it doesn't matter what you Play-Doh surgically turn that into. It's also the chromosomes. All right. It's also the fact that there's no possibility of children. And it's also the fact that it's a dude. doesn't matter what you do to the packaging. It's a dude. And there are majority of dudes who are not attracted to other men. That's just how it is, ladies and gentlemen. That's just how the world is. But you're now it's, it's hatred. It's a problem. So when AOC says, I don't know if dating a white guy or marrying a white guy was for me. How much you want to bet, by the way? Well, she's up at Boston College or Boston University, wherever the hell she went to school. 
wherever she got her worthless degree. I'm willing to bet that in her wake, she's got just an endless stream of white dudes. Like, I would be willing to bet that she's dated more white dudes than just about any other skin color, if not exclusively white dudes. How much you want to bet? Because in college, she went by the name Sandy Cortez, not Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and the, the spokeswoman for Hispanics across the country and around the world trying to single-handedly strip the Spanish language of, of gendered language and gendered words. No, she was not Cesarette Chavez back in college. She was just a, a chick who clearly wasn't going to class and probably got hammered an awful lot. I bet you she's got a bunch of white boyfriends in her past. She didn't wrestle with it. She didn't go, oh, geez, what does this say about me? I'm not sure I'm ready to have an interracial relationship. They're going to make her an honorary member of the Klan at some point, I think. <sighs> Let's see. Oh, by the way, also in the interview with GQ, she said the following, quote, I hold two contradictory things in my mind at the same time. No, you don't. They're stuck there in the vacuum. You're not holding them. They can't escape the vacuum. One is just the relentless belief that anything is possible. But at the same time, my experience here has given me a front row seat to how deeply and unconsciously, as well as consciously, so many people in this country hate women. And they hate women of color. People ask me questions about my future, and realistically, I can't even tell you if I'm going to be alive in September, and that weighs very heavily on me. And it's not just the right wing. Oh, sadly, I can tell you that you will be alive in September and beyond, and that the massive conspiracy out to get you is a figment of your own imagination, AOC. Uh, but uh, you just got to love these people. This country hates women hates women and they particularly hate women of color no 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 no. the country just particularly hates you now you gotta love it and the, the, the fact that her party just elected a black woman was we're told non-stop vice president of the united states oh my how progressive and they they just couldn't stop congratulating themselves for being so progressive on that but yet here is one of their standard bearers thank god this country hates black women well, it just seems like that doesn't really go with facts as they are presented, does it? No, it doesn't. But when you're an idiot, you're an idiot all the time. You can't turn it off. If you're faking being an idiot, if you're dumbing it down for an audience, you can turn that off and say things that are intelligent, or at least halfway so on occasion. If you're really a genuine idiot... There's no, there's no turning it off. There's no dimmer switch on stupid. You're either stupid or you're not stupid. And if you are stupid, it's just like being a jet. When you're a jet, you're a jet all the way from your first little breath to your last dying day or whatever. I don't, I don't know. I've only seen the movie once. But I know that part to be roughly accurate. God. I, if your child idol worships Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, it might be, you know, children can divorce their parents, maybe we need to institute a system where parents can divorce their children. Honest to God. How pathetic do you have to be? How pathetic do you have to be? All right, that is enough for today. Enough. Genug of Deutsch. The winner of the autographed book has chosen Greg Gutfeld, and it is Randy O'Toole. Check your messages on Patreon, Randy. 
You got a message from me. Send me your address. All right. That means... Where is that? Brad Thor. Somewhere down there on the floor. Better be. Brad Thor lives to fight another day. So it's Brad Thor versus who? Well, we went to the Rock and Roll Archives. Yes. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Maybe someday. But he is somebody who enjoys dancing with himself. And that chick in his Cradle of Love video was super hot. Billy Idol. His autobiography, Dancing with Myself, autographed by the man himself, Billy Idol, is up for... You know, I opened up a box of my signed books, and I found the box with uh, my three Trump books. And I was like, do I? Dare I? No. No, I can't do that yet. I can't bring myself to... To do that yet. Someday soon, maybe before Christmas, I'll give away one of the signed Trump books or go. I got some really, really sweet autographs down there. So it's Billy Idol versus Brad Thor. You choose. DerekHunter.locals.com or Patreon.com slash Podcast. Appreciate you listening. Thanks for playing. Good luck on this week's book. I'll see you guys tomorrow. 